Let's open the word of God together this evening to the Old Testament book of Jeremiah. If you would, Jeremiah chapter 18. And I want to look this evening just briefly at six short verses that I trust will be an encouragement and challenge to you. Jeremiah chapter 18. It's found there somewhere in the middle of your Bible. If you're still finding your way around the word of God, you find Psalms, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, Song of Solomon, Isaiah, Jeremiah. And uh, there it is. It's right after Isaiah's a long book, 66 chapters long. Right after Isaiah is the book of Jeremiah. And Jeremiah is known as the weeping prophet. And not to be confused and not to be thought of as a weak prophet, but the weeping prophet. Jeremiah chapter 18, he was broken by the condition of his people, of his land. It caused him to weep. We could do with a few more Jeremiahs today who see and recognize the condition of our land and weep and mourn over it. Jeremiah 18, beginning in verse number 1. The word which came to Jeremiah from the Lord, saying, Arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, And behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. So he made it again, another vessel, as seemed good to the potter to make. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are ye in mine hand, O house of Israel. Stop our reading there tonight. Let's bow again in prayer one more time and ask the Lord, would you pray with me that God would speak to you and speak through me? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we open the book of books, thy eternal word, and we pray that tonight as thy word is opened, Thy spirit may descend in great power and apply the preaching of the word to our hearts. Open our eyes, Lord, that we may behold wondrous things from out of thy law. Soften our hearts that we might receive the message tonight. Give us sharp minds that we may not wander and stray in our thinking, but that we might listen to every word and that the word may penetrate our hearts and change us, we pray. Save the lost tonight. But we ask it in Jesus Christ's name and for his sake. Amen. There are many pictures in the scriptures that describe the relationship between God and his people. Sometimes we we hear and read of how God is a shepherd and we are the sheep of his pasture. He guides us and he protects us and he feeds us. We read sometimes of the analogy of God being like the husband and we being like the wife. And he loves us unconditionally. He is passionate in his love towards us and desires for us to know him deeply and intimately. We also see sometimes the illustration of God being a father and we being his children. And we are always under his constant, watchful, caring eye. But this is one of the only times in the scriptures that we find this particular analogy. Jeremiah gives it to us in a few verses. The picture and the analogy, a very unique one, of God being the potter 
and we being the clay. It's amazing that God commanded Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. Probably Jeremiah was already familiar with the work of a potter, but perhaps for the sake of writing down accurately, for the sake of God getting across what he wanted, he commanded for Jeremiah to go down to the potter's house. And so the Bible says, then I went down to the potter's house. And I want you to notice a few things tonight in this portion of scriptures about the work of God. It's interesting that we find in verse number three, then I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work. Would you look this way this evening? Salvation is a work of God. It's a work of God's hand, hands in our life. It isn't us. We did not get up one day and decide that we were going to fashion ourselves into a particular piece of pottery. Nobody woke up today. Nobody woke up 10 years ago and decided that today was the day that they were going to be a Christian. No, God in His mercy and in His grace began to work a work of grace upon the wheel. That's the picture we're seeing here. It's interesting, when you go down to a potter's house, the potter is very intentional about what he's doing. He's not baking a cake on the potter's wheel. We all know that. He's not planting corn on the potter's wheel. No, he is making a vessel. That's what the potter is up to. He has one goal, one desire, one purpose to take clay, ordinary, unusable, undesirable, worthless clay and turn it into a profitable vessel. That's the work of God's grace and salvation. Reminded of that verse in Jeremiah 29, verse number 11. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, saith the Lord. Thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you an expected end. Would you look this way tonight? God knows what he's doing. He is intentional about the work that he's doing. We are saved by the grace of God and by the hands of God we're changed into a vessel that is useful to his kingdom. I can't help but think about what Paul wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20 and 21. These verses were very special to Juliana and I when we were first dating. We first began to talk about uh, living life together in marriage when we were in Texas. And uh, that was we were studying together at an extension school of Crown College there in Texas. 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 20, the Lord showed us these verses. In a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and of silver, but also of wood and of earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. It's God's intention to make you a vessel that is useful, meat for the master's use. It is God's will and desire that he would make you a vessel unto honor that is sanctified. But there's a problem. The problem is, although the potter intends to turn the clay into something useful, sometimes the clay isn't exactly cooperative. Sometimes the clay isn't so malleable. 
Sometimes clay isn't as pliable as you'd like it to be. And so therefore, every potter has a process. No potter has ever gone down to the riverbank, scooped up a lump of clay and plopped it on the wheel and got to work. No potter has ever made a vessel that way. There's a process. Would you look this way tonight? If God is ever going to use you, it will be through a process. Through a process. It's in, I'm encouraged. It's encouraging to, to be reminded that God intends to make us profitable. And he that hath begun a good work in us will perform it. He will finish it. He will accomplish it. It is the will of God, even our sanctification. That's his will. But can I tell you tonight, it takes time to make a good vessel. It takes time to make a vessel under sanctification and honor. Sometimes we want to rush the work on the potter's wheel, don't we? Sometimes we want to skip a few steps. Sometimes you want to go from being a lump of clay in the riverbank to being a one of the finest pieces of pottery in the house. But it doesn't happen like that. Sometimes we've made big mistakes in the family of God, in the church of God. Sometimes we've made big mistakes by taking the pot off the wheel before it was ready. Every once in a while, God needs to leave us on the wheel a little bit longer. Sometimes we haven't suffered enough. Sometimes we haven't faced enough trials. Sometimes we haven't faced enough sickness or disappointments. And if you try to avoid the master's hand of molding and shaping, then you may be tempted in skipping that step to use your talents or your gifts or your cleverness to become useful to the kingdom. And it never works that way. God never chooses someone because of their cleverness, giftedness, or their profitability to his kingdom. Never. No, he makes us profitable. None of us were profitable when he purchased us, when he saved us. We were all lumps of clay. The Bible says in our text, in Jeremiah chapter 18, I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels and the vessel that he made of clay. These vessels were made of clay. Let's talk for a moment about this. I'm not the most clever pottery maker. In fact, I've never really tried to make any pottery, but I've read a little bit about how pottery is to be made. And it's an amazing thing what someone can do with a lump of clay. It's an amazing thing. It's an ama even more amazing thing what God can do with a lump of clay. Clay, they tell me, as it is found in the ground, is never suitable for the potter's use like it is. It has to go through a process, as I mentioned a moment ago. And the process sounds something like this. The potter finds the clay that he's looking for. He digs it out. And he leaves it out of the ground, on top of the ground, to weather for a number of weeks before he does anything with it. And then after that time of weathering has passed, the dry material is taken, dumped into a trough 
and then covered with seawater. They tell me that the lumps have to be softened and the clay has to be stirred until all the lumps are gone and all that's left is a slimy substance that they call slip. And then after it settles for a little while, it's drawn out, left to settle somewhere else. It has to be trodden underfoot. And then it sits for six months before the potter begins to use it. That's quite the process. It takes a lot of time before you ever get to the wheel. And I don't know if you're, if you're like me, I want to skip all those steps. I want the Lord to just put a, a lick of paint on me and make me look like a good pot. But it takes time. Before God can get you on the wheel, he's got to get the lumps out. Some of us have more lumps than others. Before God can put you on the wheel, he's got to trample you beneath his feet. After that, he puts you on the wheel for another process. While I was reading about this, an interesting fact came up. There's a difference between mud and clay. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I'm just a hillbilly. I didn't really know that. But there's a difference between mud and clay. You never make a pot out of mud. Mud left in the sun will crack and harden, but clay left in the sun, instead of stiffening, clay actually softens in the sun. Isn't that interesting? Mud stiffens beneath the heat of the sun, while clay softens beneath the sun. Would you look this way tonight? You tonight are either mud or clay. And when the sun, not the S-U-N, but the S-O-N, when the Son of God causes His light to shine upon you, you will either soften or you will stiffen and harden your heart. You're either mud or clay. Tonight, when the Spirit of God begins to speak to you, you'll either soften your heart or you will harden it and turn your face against the Lord. It's interesting the way that God's Spirit works in a heart. I, I oftentimes don't like to be reproved. I don't know anybody that likes to be reproved. Certainly my children don't. I don't like to be found out. I don't like to be caught. I don't like to be in trouble. I don't like to be someone to get onto my case. But the way you respond when the Spirit of God speaks to you gives evidence to whether you are mud or clay. When the Spirit of God puts His finger on something in your life and you begin to recognize, I'm not living the way that I'm sh I should, and He's talking about me. If you harden your neck and you turn your back against God, you're giving evidence that you are mud, you're a goat, you're chaff, you're a tear. But if when the Spirit of God shines conviction upon your heart, instead of hardening your neck, if instead you soften, you hang your head in shame. You feel a pain in your heart of conviction. Oh, that's a good indication that you're clay. Just the kind that the Lord is looking for. Matthew chapter 13, the Lord Jesus tells us a story. By the way, I wouldn't, I wouldn't let the men of our church try to separate the mud from the clay tonight or else we'd all be in trouble, wouldn't we? I'd hate for some of the fellows to get a hold of me when I was looking like mud rather than clay. I'd be chucked out of here. 
But in Matthew 13, the Lord Jesus gives a little parable. He says, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, his enemy came and sowed tares amongst the wheat and he went his way. But when the blade was sprung up and brought forth fruit, then appeared the tares also. And the servants of the householder came and said to him, Sir, didst not thou sow good seed in the field? From whence then hath it tares? Where did these tares come from? And he said unto them, An enemy hath done this. And the servant said, Wilt thou then that we go and gather them up? Shall we go into the field and separate the wheat from the tares? Shall we go out to the riverbank and get rid of the mud? And the master said, Nay, no, 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 no. Lest while ye gather up the tares, ye root up also the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. And in the time of harvest, I will say to the reapers, gather ye together first the tares, bind them in bundles to burn them, but gather the wheat into my barn. Would you look this way? There's coming a day very soon when the Lord Jesus shall reveal to all who the wheat are and who the tares are. It will be very obvious who is clay and who is mud, who is pretending and who is real. Back to our illustration of this pottery, this clay. They tell me that after that big long process of getting the clay ready for the wheel, they tell me that even after six months of waiting, that the clay still needs to be hammered out before it's useful. That they put clay, a big lump of clay on a table, and they begin with a hammer to hammer out all the air bubbles of that lump of clay. I believe some of us tonight in this tent have a few air bubbles that need to be hammered out, don't we? And if you do not hammer out the air bubbles, then that'll be a weak spot. Every place that the air is allowed to remain in the walls of that clay vessel, it will be a weak spot liable to crack and break. And so a potter is faithful to apply the force and strength of a hammer upon that lump of clay before he ever puts it on the wheel. The Bible tells us in Jeremiah 23 in verse number 29, something interesting is not my word like as a fire, saith the Lord, and like a hammer that breaketh the rock in pieces. The hammer of God's word begins to hammer out the problems and the air pockets in our life and the lumps in our life. Someone once said, Lord, go ahead. You may have to beat me to bless me. Another man said, you may have to hurt me to heal me. You may have to knock me down to lift me up, but so be it, Lord. Something like what the Apostle Paul was saying in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Do you remember this? The Bible tells us in verse number 9, He said unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure. Look at this. Paul says I take pleasure in infirmities, that sickness, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then am I strong. When I've been trampled under feet, then I'm strong. When the bubbles have been beat out of me, then I am strong. Bible says in verse 7, 
He was given a thorn in the flesh, the messenger of Satan to buffet him. I think sometimes we try to avoid this whole process. The Bible tells us back in our text in Jeremiah chapter 17. The scriptures say in verse 4, the vessel that he made of clay was marred. Pardon me, verse 3, I went down to the potter's house and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. Now again, I'm not the most clever chap, but I've been told that a potter's wheel is actually two wheels. There's one wheel on the floor that the potter constantly is stepping on. And in that process of stepping on that one, that wheel on the floor that nobody sees spins the wheel on the top that everybody sees. There's an unseen wheel that you can't see, but you can hear it when you walk into a potter's workshop. There's an unseen work that always takes place in the life of a soul that God is molding and shaping into the image of his son. And sometimes you can't see it, but you can almost always hear it. You hear it in the way that a person begins to speak. You see it in the way that their life begins to take shape. But it wouldn't be possible if it weren't for that work beneath the surface that nobody could see. Let me just warn you against all the external work. You could change the way you dress. You can change what you drink. You can change the places of entertainment that you visit on the weekend. But if your heart isn't changed, if there isn't a greater wheel inside working beneath the surface, then all that is done above the surface doesn't really matter. They tell me that the thump, thump, thump of that big wheel turns a little wheel on the table, and that is where the work of his hands are done. Another interesting observation in this whole process, from the time that the clay is taken out of the river bank to the time that it is molded and shaped on the little wheel on top of the table, it never leaves the hands of the master. You're in good hands. You might think this evening that God is putting a little bit too much pressure on you. But at least it's his hands that's doing the pressing. At least it's his thumbs that's working in your life. Safe in the hands of the master. The Bible says in verse 4, something occasionally happens. In fact, almost always happens when someone is making a vessel on, on a pottery wheel. The Bible says in verse 4, the vessel that he made of clay was marred in the hand of the potter. Can I just encourage you for one second? Would you look this way? Occasionally, something happens in the life of a child of God that they think they will never recover from. Every once in a while, something tragic, something difficult takes place in the life of a Christian and they hang their head in shame and they think to themselves that they shall never ever be useful to God because they've been marred. The Bible says in our text, that although the clay was marred in the hand of the potter, it was still in the hand of the potter. And so he made another vessel. And he made another vessel as it seemed good to him. Let me encourage you this evening. This Christian life, you are still on the wheel. You say, well, I've been a Christian for 20 years. You're still going round and around on the potter's wheel. And you're not coming off the wheel until you see him face to face. So every time you think that you have been hurt, you've made a mistake, you've done something that you should never do that's unforgivable, that you'll never recover from, let me remind you that you're sti still on the wheel and his hands are still on you. 
And he can make you into a vessel, another vessel, as it pleases him. Every once in a while, we go through valleys and difficulties and we think we will never recover from it. But Jeremiah says this, O house of Israel, cannot I do with you as this potter? Some view this marring of the vessel in two ways. Some view it like this, that the nation of Israel weren't what they should be and so therefore God squashed them and made them unto a vessel of dishonor. I don't believe that. I rather believe that what he is saying is that although there be a marring on the wheel, the master is still in control. His hands are just as steady as they've always been before. And if he have to pick, if he has to pick out a lump in the process and start again, he'll do it. But you mustn't ever be afraid of him having to start again in your life. We mustn't ever be afraid of him having to reform and reshape another vessel, a second chance. Some of you this evening feel like you've, you've sinned, sinned away your day of grace. Some of you perhaps feel as if you might never ever have the opportunity to serve God again like you once had before. And I would say unto you, that's hogwash. If God still be on the throne, if his hands still be at work in your life, then let him do what he desires to do. He will make a vessel as he pleases. Tonight, maybe you're lost. You still feel like a lump of clay in the riverbank that hasn't been dug out yet. The process hasn't begun. Let me encourage you this evening that the Lord is always looking, seeking, just like he went after the one lost sheep. He left the 99 and went after the one lost. Today, he's still looking for more lumps of clay that he might turn into vessels, trophies of grace. Tonight he's looking, I believe, in this tent even, perhaps where you might be sat on the live stream, looking for another piece of clay to begin his work, to do his work. And it may not be enjoyable or pleasant, but the end product is a beautiful work of art that will forever bring glory and honor to his name. I wonder this evening, are you in the hands of the potter? I don't know what stage you're in. Maybe you feel like you're underneath the potter's feet. Maybe you feel like he's doing a bit of trampling. Maybe you think he's doing a bit of hammering in your life today. Maybe you've made it onto the wheel. Around and around and around you're going. You feel like life is one continuous monotonous cycle. Round and around and around, but do not, do not miss the fact that he's putting his finger at just the right place to make you just the man or the woman that he wants you to be for his honor and his glory. I was reminded this week of a verse as I was sharing with some hurting families, grieving families. I was reminded of the passage in the book of Revelation, the last chapter of the Bible some encouraging words, some words of hope that oftentimes bring life to a time of darkness and despair. The last chapter of the Bible, Revelation 22, the Bible tells us a beautiful portion of Scripture. Pardon me, second to the last chapter, chapter 21, I saw a new heaven and a new earth. 
The Bible says in verse number four, God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. There shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain for the former things are passed away. And he that sat upon the throne said this, listen to these words, behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, right, for these words are true and faithful. If you want salvation, then it will require you to be made new. Some people want salvation, but they don't want the process. Some people want to end up in heaven when they die, but they don't want that process of being conformed, sanctified, changed into the image of Christ, our Lord and Savior. He makes all things new. It's a process. We're all at different stages. Do not despair because you're looking at one piece of pottery that looks like it's almost finished. And you still look like a lump of clay drying on the table for six months. Don't despair. Because that pottery, that lump of clay that looks like a vessel that's almost finished might just be marred tomorrow and have to start all over again. So don't look at the pottery, look at the potter. Don't look at the fellow pieces of pottery and vessels and clay around you. Don't look at us. Look at the potter, the master. Let him do his work tonight. Would you bow your heads with me in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, we bow before thee this evening and we submit beneath thy skillful hands this evening. We acknowledge that this work is a work of thy grace, a work of thy handiwork. We cannot work our own salvation. We cannot save ourselves. We cannot make ourselves into what we should be. But I do pray that we might humble ourselves. We might be more malleable, pliable. We would yield beneath the pressing of thy hands. Help us, Father, as the young people sang this morning, to be willing, whatever it takes, to be closer to thee, to be more like thee. We pray for those tonight who are lost. Oh, have mercy. Help them to see that there is a potter. And we pray this evening that the potter may lift another lump of clay from out of the mud and begin that work of molding and shaping and sanctifying. Father, we love thee and thank thee for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray.